I'll be very transparent this morning. I uh, turn that down just a little bit. Uh, I've actually got about three different messages that I'd like to preach, and one of those is new um, that I've, I've never preached, and then two of them are old that I have preached here. And my heart, for whatever reason, last week, sometime, I don't remember if it was Sunday or, or what, but uh, anyway, the, the message that, that I preached, um, I've got it back in 2021, A Strange Way to Save the World, uh, has been on my heart. You know, there's, there's some songs that you can listen to at, at Christmas time, you, you know, Joy to the World and... Um, God rest you, married gentlemen, things of that sort. You tend to only listen to those around Christmas time. But uh, there's, there's certain, I guess, more modern Christmas songs that to me seems to have more of a, uh, um, uh, an evergreen effect, if I could say it like that. They, they tend to always be relevant. And the song, A Strange Way to Hear the World, uh, to Save the World, you, you, hopefully you'll hear that tonight in the Christmas play. But, um, it, it's a song that I was introduced back in the 90s and, um, it, I just fell in love with it. And so if the Lord will help me, I'm gonna re-preach this message this morning. But again, if He'll help me, I'll try not to preach the other two messages that I'd like to preach this morning. Uh, Brother Langston said, don't get upset with the preacher if he preaches the, the same message twice. He said, you singers sing the same songs over and over again. So don't blame, don't blame me. Uh, blame the Lord. I've tried my best to get away from this and just because I've preached it before. But uh, again, my, my thoughts, my heart cannot get away from it. So, uh, I believe it was maybe, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago, we used this text, Matthew chapter number 1, and we only read a couple verses, but we'll read starting in verse number 18 down through verse number 25. The title is, A Strange Way to Save the World. If you took notes last time, they may be a little bit different this time, but if you will uh, just follow along with us and help us, and there's some questions that I want to answer this morning. Questions that, of course, are in the lyrics of the song, but questions that some of these people may have asked, and I firmly believe some of us have asked the same things. And so Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she found him with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Uh, I may say the word privily, you just, whatever comes out, just go with it. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, Excuse me, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... 
Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, somebody say it, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for the good singing that we've had, the good songs. Lord, I praise you this morning that there's joy to the world. And God, we thank you that there is joy in Christ. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. There's joy in God the Father. There's joy in the presence of God. And God, I for one, I find joy this morning. And God, I praise you for it. God, we thank you, Lord, that there is a, there was an angel call way back yonder that we just read about. Over in Luke chapter number one, we could read about. In Luke chapter two, we can read about the angels coming and speaking to humans. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the angels coming. Lord, but if I could say above all else, thank you, Lord, for loving me so much that you sent your only, woo, only begotten son. God, I thank you, Lord, for your loving son come and die and become in flesh for us. God, I praise your holy name for what you've done for us. God, I do thank you, Lord, that there is a there is a time that I can go back to and, and I can remember the day that you saved me. I'm glad that there's a time that we're getting ready for now when you come to call us away. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us a plan for 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 how we ought to live and how we ought to get ready. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can rest our case at the cross when it seems like we can't talk to anyone, we can't share our burden with anyone, we can't cry on anyone's shoulders. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your your shoulders are big enough and they're welcoming enough that we can cry on you and we can rest our case. Father, we thank you that there is no glory in us, there is no glory to be had with us, but, Father, we can glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray today that you'd hide us behind that cross. Lord, as we bring up, Lord, the manger and we bring up the stable and we bring up Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem and Nazareth and Egypt, God, we pray today that you give us an anointing. Oh, God, we pray you'll give us an unction to preach the Word of God today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whoopee! I'll get that out before it busts here in just a little bit. We, we look at these passages and we see, of course, that this is dealing with Joseph and this is that angel that, that spoke with Joseph here. We do not know this angel's name, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but then we find over in Luke chapter number 1 that it was Gabriel that spoke to Mary. In Luke chapter number 2, I believe, I uh, may not name, but uh, I, I kind of believe it was Gabriel that spoke to those shepherds there in the field feeding their flocks by night. Uh, but uh, when we look at Jesus Christ and we look, we go on in chapter number two and we see the the wise men coming to Christ, we we have to admit that that for someone to be able to save you and I from our sin to come as a baby with all of the oddity surrounding it, it sure is a strange way to save the world. 
it does not make a lot of sense. I'm one of those people that that I like to have a plan. I like to be able to to understand all of the logistics of something, and and for for me not to be able to understand exactly. What was going on? It, 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 it causes questions in me. And that, and, and as I mentioned this song, it kind of, it kind of stirs some questions. And as we look at this, we'll ask the questions, why in Joseph's defense or Joseph's mind, we'll ask, why me? But then why him? Why this little baby? But then I can imagine as Joseph is looking across to his betrothed saying, why her? Not necessarily what's so special about her, but but rather why this shame is being brought upon her for her to go the course of this pregnancy uh, with whispers around her, her friends back saying, oh, did you hear that Mary was with child? She, she says that she's never been with a man, but we know that there's only one way uh, that this can happen. Surely uh, she's been promiscuous and surely she's cheated somehow on Joseph, but yet Joseph, the Bible. The Bible says there, uh, it was a just man, and he's not willing to make her a public example, put her away privately. And so he says, I don't want any harm to come to her, uh, so I'm going to deal with her the right way. I'm going to deal with her uh, in public and not make an example of her. But that angel came in and says, don't don't worry about Mary. Well, the one that she's carrying is, is not of another, but it's of, I'm about to run. It's not of another, but it's of God the Father. It's of the Holy Ghost. And so Joseph began to to do what a man ought to do and take care of his family. Amen. And so as we look at this, we come to this first question. And and all of these are going to be through Joseph's eyes. But uh, I can imagine how he said, why me? Again, going off this same sense of of duty and the same sense of, of maybe the whispers that are going around town. He may have asked a question, why me? What's so... What is, why do I deserve this? I told someone several, several weeks ago. They were asking, why me? Why, why is this happening to me? Why is this bad thing happening to me? And I read an author some years ago, and, and the author said, why not you? You see, maybe you've been in a wreck, and you want to know why you were in that wreck. Well, it could be that if you weren't in that wreck, someone else may have been in that wreck. It could be that because you have a relationship with Christ, and that other person does not, that God chose to put you in the wreck instead of that other person, and they maybe go out into eternity without God. Maybe you're going through financial distress and you're wondering why you. Well, what you're essentially saying, why not him? Or why not her? Why can't they go through this instead of me? And Joseph here, no doubt, at some point may have questioned, why me? And he maybe even said, I'm just a carpenter. There's nothing much to me. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 6, verse number 3, those gathered around said, is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary? The brother of Jesus and Joseph of Judah and Simon, are these not his sisters with me? And were they not offended? They're talking about Jesus and said that Jesus, like his earthly father, was a carpenter. This was a man of little means. He, uh, this was a man that could not, uh, he could not buy the best of the best. But yet this was God's choice. What was so special about him was that he would be chosen to be the earthly father to the Messiah. 
I watch Kurt and I watch Camden oftentimes and, and other of you daddies with your, especially little boys, but, but little girls as well. There is a connection with mom, with daddy and with that little child. And there's some things that even though the child doesn't know how they are being taught by their daddy, they're being taught by their mother. How about I could imagine as Jesus no doubt got up to where he could walk and maybe even talk and he began to look at his daddy and look at all the things maybe in his shop and wonder what this tool did. Wonder why, man, a good gracious alive. I think about that shittim wood that you've been talking about in, in Sunday school and how that it was a curled wood, a bent wood. But somehow or another, God gave those men back in the tabernacle days the wisdom to be able to straighten that wood and make things for God's use. And this ain't got nothing to do with nothing. It just kind of rabbit popped its head up. But can you imagine how crooked and how perverse you and I were? We were good for nothing. There's no way God could ever use us. But somehow or another, God straightened us out and put us in the ministry. He put us in the work for Him. That's nothing but God right there. And I can imagine as Jesus maybe came in the, maybe he came in the, in the workshop and said, uh, Dad, I don't know what he called Joseph. I don't know. Maybe he called him Daddy. I'll just get over it if you think I'm wrong. Might have said, Daddy, what, uh, what is that piece of wood right there? It sure does look awful straight. Woo! I can imagine as he began to tell him, well, son, that took a lot of hard work and that took a lot of time. That took a lot of pressure and that took a lot of heat to be able to straighten that wood. Well, what's it for? Oh, it's just to remind me of the time. Tabernacle. It's just to remind me of what God can do uh, for you and I. And I could imagine maybe as the, as the thoughts turned into Joseph's mind, as his little boy, Jesus Christ, I began to ask about that shit of wood or maybe some other piece of wood. I began to wonder maybe if he went back to Matthew chapter number one and he remembered the message from uh, the angel and said how that Jesus is going to save his people uh, from their sin and how that Jesus is going to take a perverse and a wicked generation, and He's going to make them straight, uh, not with outward ways, uh, not with the heat uh, that's being perpetrated by men, uh, but rather with His own precious blood. Good and gracious alive today. I can imagine how Jesus said, why, or Joseph said, why me? What's so special about me? We look back at his generations. You look from verse number one down to verse number, I believe it's verse number 16. If my, if my eyes are right, there's 41 different generations here. Hey, if my counts right, 40 or 41 there. And the generations go from Abraham down to Jesus. Uh, but you gotta think, uh, Joseph here, he's saying, what good is there in me? How uh, that I would be counted to be uh, the son of God's earthly father to care for him, to provide for him. I can imagine as he went back, all the way to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel in uh, 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 verse number 12, if you want to go back and look, he helped lead the people of Israel out of Babylonian captivity in Ezra chapter number 2. What about Josiah? Josiah became the king, the youngest king of Judah and reigned righteously for 31 years in 2 Kings 22. Uh, you remember Ahaz? That's right. Old wicked King Ahaz was in Jesus' lineage too. He was wicked. He was idolatrous. 
Cyrus. He was the king of Judah. Uh, but in, in uh, um, I believe it's 1 Samuel, we find in verse number 5 here, Jesus, uh, Jesse rather, J- uh, David and Solomon, Boaz and Obed, uh, those are all part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Uh, you and I, we may wonder what's so good about me that God would love me. I could take you back to James Earl Burke and I could tell you that James and Lucille uh, were both drunkards. Uh, they did not care about God. I'm about to run. They did not care about God. They did not care about the things of God. And my great, my granddaddy, James Earl Burke, uh, he died uh, with cirrhosis of the liver because he nearly drank himself to death. Uh, but you turn the page just a few years and you find old Ralph Eugene Burke. He began to take up after his daddy. He began to drink and he began to cuss and he began to do all these things. Uh, but sometime in July, <laughs> July, 1989, somewhere along the line, somebody said, will you come to church? And he, he came grudgingly the first time. He came not so grudgingly the second time. Uh, but Brother Rufus Edmonston was preaching down in New Hope Baptist Church in July of 1989. And my daddy let go of the pew that had been gripping for days and days and days. And he came down and ran to an old-fashioned altar. And I still remember the thud of when his knees hit the ground. And he got glorious saved. He put up the beer bottle. He quit cussing. He quit roaming around. Hey, I'm here to tell you, whatever's in our past, God can change it. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb. He said, why me? What is there in me that that I deserve this? Jesse, David, Solomon, Boaz, and Obed. You remember Boaz was the son of Rahab the harlot. There ain't no way, ain't no way she could ever be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But because, because she, because she helped the people of Israel that day and she went from Jericho with the people of Israel, God placed her circumspectly right in the middle of the lineage of David, of Jesus Christ rather. And then we look and we see Judah. And Judah plotted to sell his brother into slavery. But then we go back to Abraham. He was the father of nations. He said, why me? What is there good in me? There's good and there's bad in all of this. But God chose him to be his earthly father. A man of trade. He was a carpenter. He was a man of convictions, a man of obedience. The Bible says that he obeyed the angel. He was a man of discernment. He was a man, again, of obedience and convictions and trade. Though he would provide for Jesus, he was not wealthy. You look back in Isaiah chapter number 53, verse number 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing being provided to him that would make him better than the child down the street. That would make him better than anyone else. He he grew up like most of us grew up. We we had a meal on the table. Our parents had a job. And we just got along. There was no special things going on. But then you look at Isaiah 7, verse number 15. It says, Butter and honey shall he eat. That may he know to refuse the evil and choose the good. That's that early prophecy there in Isaiah 
chapter 7, right in the middle of a telling off to King. I believe it was King Ahaz or Ahab. And he says, I want you to know, wicked king, I'm going to raise up a son. He's going to be born of a virgin. And he's going to eat the things that are pure uh, so that he knows how to refuse the evil. And then we look also. Uh, these sound a whole lot like uh, uh, Psalm 34, 8. Old taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Psalm 119, 103. Oh, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Proverbs 24, 13. My son, eat thou honey, because it is good. And the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste. And so we look at this and we see that there was not a lot given to Joseph to be able to give to Jesus. But what he gave to Jesus and what was given to Joseph who was pure and was right and was was uh, uh, nutritious both physically and spiritually for Jesus Christ. And we look, why him? Joseph said, why me? What is there any good in me? But then why him? What? Why? Why? This, this is her first child. Why him? There, 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 and I don't believe he was, Kurt, I don't think he was convinced yet that there was something good in him. How is, how is something good going to come from, from this? We're not even married yet. I can't provide for him. She's a virgin. She's just a young lady. She can't raise a child. Why him? Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What did our text say that this word Emmanuel means? Or this, this word Jesus? Y'all, uh, being interpreted is God with us. Why Him? Well, if there's anybody that I want with me, it's God. If there's anybody, I saw something and they were just, it was a bumper sticker, but it had nothing to do with Jesus. But it said somebody was my co-pilot. I don't even want Jesus to be my co-pilot because I've seen how I drive. I want him to be my pilot. I want him to say, hey, get in. We fixing to go. I want him to say, all right, you hang on. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be rough. It's going to be jagged. You hang on. We're going to start flying high. Wherever he leads, I will follow. I want God with, I want Emmanuel with me. Some thought a mighty king would come. Others thought a valiant military warrior would come and be their deliverance. Still, there were those that <clears throat> believed in the Scripture. What did he say there in Isaiah? He says, that I'll give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There were still some that believed the Scripture and looked not for a king, not for a soldier, but for a son. So who was that? Well... So you see Simeon and Anna, Luke chapter number 2. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon I read this this morning and like to have had a Holy Ghost fit. Over in chapter number 2, he says in Simeon, let me see if I can find it. Uh, uh, then, verse 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, 
Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Amen. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. What happened was, what had happened was, when Simeon took hold of the Son of God, he had a fit. The Bible says that he grabbed him and blessed God, he began to have a Holy Ghost fit. That's what happened. He'd been waiting for this all of his life. Go back and read chapter number 2 of Luke. He'd been waiting for this all of his life. And finally, at the end of his days, he got to hold the Son of God. And he began to bless God and praise God and said, God, now I can die because I've seen thy salvation. Woo! What about Anna? You keep looking in chapter 2, verse number 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, uh, 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 the tribe of Asher. Uh, she was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the, unto the Lord and spake of Him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So we find two old-timers coming to the house of God, having a Holy Ghost fit at the same time over the same thing. The Son of God. Wouldn't it do good if we got in the house of God and realized we were in His house and realized when He showed up and we just had a fit. Amen. So why Him? Why Him? Some were looking for these other things, but there were a few still looking. Matter of fact, verse number 38 says she, she told everybody that was looking for the redemption. She said, you're looking for redemption? Hey, I can tell you who it is. I can, he's over here. Oh, show us to him. We want to see the king. We want to see the soldier. Oh, no, before you ever see the king, before you ever see the soldier, because he will be those things. Y'all heard what I said? He will be those things. He is, we call him king of kings, but he's not named king of kings until the end of Re- the book of Revelation. But as he is the king of kings then, he also becomes a soldier. And he begins to fight the battle there in Armageddon. And so we find him as a king and a soldier way on down the line. But right now he's a son. She said, no, don't look for a soldier. Don't look for a king. Look for the son. Why him? What was so special? Well, Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name of, uh, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What was so special about him? He had been prophesied. He had been promised. God says that he's going to give a son. In John chapter number 2, uh, verse number, uh, chapter number 1, verse number 14. Uh, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That ought to bless your gizzard right there. That the Word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwell or dwelt and the word abide are interchangeably. Uh, the word abide means to dwell continually. The word dwell means to abide. Continue. You can't have one without the other. And so in other words, he says, the Son of God, the Word of God is come to live with you. That ought to bless you. He says, dwell among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, something that I find quite peculiar is John is writing this. Matter of fact, Brother Dean reminded us that he wrote this years after Jesus was crucified and was risen. 
He wrote this, John wrote this years after. But in the very beginning of John's gospel, we find him not really telling us the past like Matthew and Luke did, the beginnings. But he got right into who he was. And he says, we beheld his glory. So we, in John, Brother Jody, we don't see him as a child. We see him as the Savior. We see him as a miracle worker. John is the one that said that all the books in the world could not contain everything that he did. So John begins to write in a completely different way. And he says, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this word, he says, the word was made flesh. Who is this word? Well, John told us in chapter number one, verse one and two, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It is Jesus Christ. What's so special about Him? Why Him? He was the Word. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He is God's begotten. When you look through these genealogies, you'll, 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 you'll get the word beget, beget, or begat, begat. And over and over, and if you start reading them, your tongue will get wrapped around your teeth and you get all messed up. That means that it came from Him. Now, when y'all figure this out, y'all can let me know. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. There, right after the burning bush, God spoke to Moses and said, I am. So that burning bush phrase is a direct correlation to I am from Jesus. One and the same. In the beginning, Genesis chapter number 1, chapter number 2, let us make man in our image. Jesus and the Holy Ghost and God have always been, but yet this is God's only begotten Son. Jesus Christ came from God. I can't explain that. I just know what the Bible says. And if the Bible say it, I'm going to believe it. Amen. What's so special about He was God's only begotten. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 10, 11, and 12 says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, uh, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. Must be saved. This man, Jesus, this little son, this little infant Jesus, one day he would be rejected. He would be crucified. He would be buried. He would be raised from the dead. But by his name and his name only will any man come for salvation. Not by the name of anyone else. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. All of these things would happen because of this little bitty baby that we find. Then, lastly, probably not lastly, maybe so, 
we'll see. Trying to hurry. Why here? Why in this stable? Why, why in this place? It's not in our text, but we find it in Luke. The word stable was really never mentioned, but it was applied. It was implied because of the manger. It was implied because he says, I have no room in the inn. It was implied because there were animals there. We look at this manger and, and we see in Philippians chapter number two, verse number eight, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. Here was Jesus Christ. He was a king of glory, but he left it all not to come and rule as a king or, or as I mentioned, to, to defeat as a soldier, but to come as an infant child. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He was placed in that manger, in that cattle trough, if you will. Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 16. For by Him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by Him, listen to this, and for Him. Everything that was created back before or at Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 1, was not only created by God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but was created for Him. Even Calvary, even the tree that they cut down, even the, 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 the road that He had to walk, to, even the whip that was made one day, it was made for Him. For such a time as this. Why here? We see the, uh, there was a rejection. John chapter number 1, verse number 11. He came to his own, and his own received him not. There was an offering, if you will, in this manger. Jesus Christ, I, I, I read this. I wasn't going to say it, but I read this uh, this week in studying. And those in Luke chapter number 2, you can read it yourself. But in Luke chapter 2, the angel says that this shall be a sign for you. You shall, wrap, you shall find the babe wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes. What did they do when someone died? They wrapped them in a cloth. And one writer said that these swaddling clothes, is quite possible that this was the same type of cloth that they would wrap someone that was dead. Now, you continue to read and it says that those, those shepherds, They said to themselves, we've got to go. But then the very next verse says, they made haste and came to him. And this writer said the reason that they made haste is because they didn't know if he was living or if he was dying. Because of those swaddling clothes. Now think about that. They did not know, Samuel, whether he was living or dying, but they did what they were told to do and go and see him. Here's something for you to chew on. He has lived... He has died, and He is living again today. Are you willing to make haste and go see Him? There is no question. We have historical and biblical evidence that Jesus Christ lived and died, and spiritually, we know that He rose again on that third day. So what are you waiting on? Why, why here? In Bethlehem, 
Micah chapter number 5. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Ephrathah, uh, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet uh, out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. What do the Scriptures say? I'll misquote it. But from the foundations of the world, Jesus was crucified. From everlasting. See, Bethlehem was not just a place on a map. It was a place prophesied that Jesus would come from. Not only that, but he also, he came to, you continue to read in chapter number 2, and you find that verse number 23, that he found on the other side of Galilee, verse 23, he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. But listen to this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. It's probably not important, but people get it mixed up all the time. They think Jesus was a Nazarite. He was not. He was a Nazarene. That means he was from Nazareth. A Nazarite is that's a man that has made a vow. We can go into that some other time. So don't get those two confused. It's not going to hurt anybody, but don't get them confused. He was a Nazarene. That meant he was from Nazareth. And again, just as Bethlehem was prophesied, so was Nazareth. So why here? Why in Bethlehem? Why in Nazareth? Because, let's look at Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 23. We just said that he shall be called a Nazarene. John chapter number 1, verse number 46. Uh, this I'm going to turn over there because I've missed a verse. John chapter number 1, verse number 46. Now, Philip of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son. Why Nazareth? Why here? He says, we found him that Moses talked about. We found him that the prophets wrote about. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? What did Philip say? Come and see. (laughs) There's a lot of people saying, is there anything good that could come out of Nazareth? Is there anything good that can come out of James Burke? Is there anything good that can come out of Kurt Russell? Is there anything good that can come out of Stanley Dubair? Is there anything good that can come out of Ali Dean? Is there anything good that can come out of Leo Watson? All I got to say is three words. Come and see. I'm glad that there was a reason that he was there in Nazareth. He he didn't live in Galilee. He lived in Nazareth. Why? Because it was prophesied that he would be from there. He would be known as being from there. He would be rejected as from there because it was there that he tried to go back and to perform miracles and to heal and to preach there. And they rejected him. And he said, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. And so he knocked off the dust from his feet and went and ministered in other other places. You see, there's something special about God's design. Then you find he went down to Egypt. I'm not going to read this, but you look at Matthew 2, 12 down through verse 15. You find again in verse 15. And there and was there, they were all there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... Out of Egypt have I called my son. What about it? 
this was not just this was not just happenstance that they went to Bethlehem. They could have stayed in Jerusalem. They had to go to Bethlehem because that was the city of his birth. That was the city of Joseph's birth. And it had to be the city of Jesus' birth. They could have went to Galilee, but he stopped in Nazareth for fear of Herod's son. And he thought if he could be in Nazareth, no one would find him. And But it was prophesied that he would be from Nazareth. He would be a Nazarene. But then he even went down to Egypt. Why would he go to Egypt? Because it was prophesied out of Egypt, shall I call my son. What about, the, what about God doing what God does? God had it all lined up before, before he ever put that seed in Mary. He had already told, it, told everybody what was going to happen. But it all came as a surprise. Don't it do that to us? Uh, almost said Terry. Terry, way back there. Here you are. Don't it do that to us? God's already told us what's going to happen. But yet when it happens, we're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Last night, this morning, sometime or another, Ashlyn was in the, in the, she was ironing her skirt, dress, outfit, whatever that thing's called. I walked past her, Allie. Walked past her, talked to her. Went in the kitchen. Did what I needed to in the kitchen. Walked back out to the little hallway. Turn left, go to the dining room. Turn right. There she was. Scared the daylights out of me. I knew she was there, but it was still a surprise. That's the way we are. In God's Word, He's told us what He's going to do. And we see Him doing it, but when He completes it, we're like, oh my goodness, where did this blessing come from? Well, God's already promised you that He's going to do it. And you watched Him do it. Now, I done got to the point now, I'm not being super spiritual, but I see God working and my lip will start quivering. Because I don't know if he's doing it for me or if he's doing it for somebody else. But all I know is it's God working. And I sit back there and I'm like, oh, go ahead. That swamp comes out in me and I just get all excited beside myself. And I say, just go ahead. Won't he do it? And when you see him doing it, it surprises us just like it did them. Why here? Why him? Why me? Lastly, this for real is last. Why Mary? You go over and you read Luke chapter number 1. And you find that Mary was, was visited by an angel. You, you see that she was told all these things were going to happen. Brother, Brother McNeese mentioned this. There were 77 generations from Adam to Jesus. There were 77. The people that were in her genealogy, we mentioned Judah. We mentioned Jesse, Jacob, Isaac, Canaan, Shem, Noah, Enoch, Seth, and Adam. All of these men had some purity about them. Every one of them had some purity about them. So she could probably boast and say, you know, I could see why Jesus would pick me. But she was still humble. She still had humility. She was a virgin. She knew the consequences of having a child out of wedlock. She understood that there was people whispering. There's no doubt some fear. What will people think? What will my parents think? What will Joseph think? But yet God still chose her seemingly pure bloodline to bring Jesus Christ in. Listen to this. 
I'm going to read Isaiah 7, verse 14 again. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I'm going to read these two verses. Luke 1, verse 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. She was innocent. She was innocent, but I need you all to very clearly understand what I'm about to say. She was innocent, but she was not sinless. And there's many in our society today that, that worship Mary as an individual. And, and that's wrong on any case except Jesus Christ. But there's many that would say she was perfect. She was a saint because she was a virgin here. Can I tell you this without being off color? She did not stay a virgin very long. Not only did she birth Jesus Christ, but she also had several other children. And so, if there's any purity that she may have had, it was gone in that sense. So she was innocent, but she was not sinless. There's some young children in here today. They are innocent, but according to God's Word, they are not sinless. And they too will have to go through Jesus Christ for salvation. Why her? She was highly favored in Luke uh, 1, verse 28 and verse 30. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, that thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Joseph said, Why me? Why him? Why here? I think the line in the song, Inside this stable filled with hay. Well, the Scripture says that he humbled himself like a man. In Philippians, a little bit below that verse, it says that he made himself a little bit low, a little lower than the angels. He didn't have to, according to our standards, but according to God's plan, this had to happen. It may seem strange to us, but it was not strange to God. You see, as a parent, we love our children and and as, as couples, we love our wives. And sometimes we do stuff for them that makes absolutely no sense. Makes no sense. But we do it because we love them, even though they don't understand it until the whole picture is seen. Brother Terry loves his wife, loves his little girls. Working on his house the other day. Paint, man, I, I don't know what color that door is, but I like that color door. Painted his... Painted his house, painted, painted, just looked nice. And he was telling me, he said, what do you think about it? I said, I like it. And he said, somebody said, well, what about this down here? Now, whoever said it may not have said it just like that. I'm just telling you how Terry said it. What about this down here? Well, that's what we do. We're doing things because we love it, and it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it looks incomplete. Made no sense for God to save all humanity with a baby. Made no sense for this baby, this son of God, to come and be laid in hay around a bunch of animals. Made no sense. 
But in God's plan, it made perfect sense. There's still questions. I would question why now? You've had, you've had all of this time. Why now? Why didn't you do this instead of the flood? Why, why didn't you do this at the Tower of Babel? Why didn't you do this when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? Why didn't you do it then? But I believe we can sum it up like this. In due time. At the right time. Why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? I love the fact that Luke records the shepherds and Matthew records the wise men. And I think that that, that crosses all of the miles. You have the shepherds that in, in, in all likelihood were the lowest of the low. And an angel came and said, go see Jesus. And then you have those, these wise men, these learned men, educated rich men apparently. that had everything that they would ever need. And he sent them a, a star. He said, go see Jesus. So everywhere in between, go see Jesus. Philip said, come and see. If you have any questions, come and see. The psalmist says, come and taste. Oh, taste. I'm about to run. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This morning, it may seem strange, but I promise you today, it's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. Jesus Christ left heaven. And as the songwriter said, he donned the robe of an earthly flesh. Y'all come with the song of invitation. He lived his life here to point men to God through himself. He died to give all men access by paying the price himself for our sin. He arose the third day to prove that he was not just a man and he promised he would return to take us with him. It is a strange way to save the world, but I can assure you today, with my heart of hearts, I'm thankful that He did it just the way that He did it. Let's stand. Our Father in Heaven, we pray now that You would help us. God, maybe if You spoke to someone's heart today, You'd let them come. But God, we thank You, Lord, for reminding us that Your Son did come. Lord, we thank You for all the characters surrounding Jesus and His birth. Lord, but if we were to pull them one by one away, we would see Jesus. And Lord, that's who I want to see today. Father, I pray that You'd help us to see, uh, Lord, above all of the, the pageantry of Christmas, let us see Jesus. He's worth it. He's worthy. God, we ask You to help us today. In Jesus' name. Amen.